Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Right, good day, and welcome back to Gather by the Ghostlight, original stories for radio theater. I'm Jonathan Cook, your host, producer, and sometimes voice actor on this thing, and I just have a quick little announcement before we get started here. Most of you out there probably remember that last year around this time, there was a book published for this podcast, and it was called Gather by the Ghostlight Year One, and it contained all the audio play scripts that were recorded and produced on this podcast during the first year. Well, I'm excited to say that tradition is going to continue and the year two book will be released in October. Thank you. And honestly, the second year of Gather by the Ghost Light is when momentum really started to pick up. The year two book contains more scripts, more writers, more behind the scenes insight, and just more of everything really. So keep a lookout for that and I'll keep you updated on the release date as we go. And the Year One book is still available if you want to check that out. It's on Amazon as well as the official Gather by the Ghostlight online store, and you can find that link in the show notes. And now, let's stroll on over to today's story. This one is a romantic comedy called A Perfect Two, and was written by Canada-based playwright Guy Newsham. You are about to meet a couple who are currently watching a movie in the comfort of their own home. But tension starts to rise when they decide to play a little game of how would you rate your partner on a scale from 1 to 10? Well, it turns out that being perfect for each other doesn't always mean you're a 10. Now, gather around the ghost light, sit back and enjoy. This is A Perfect Two, written by Guy Newsham. And be sure to stick around after the story to hear an interview with this writer. That was great. Wasn't that a great movie? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Good choice. Four stars out of four? Definitely four stars. I like that bit where the heroine, she... She drove the car. The red car? The red car, exactly. So fast. So fast. I was thinking the same thing. Too fast. Way too fast. I was like, slow down. Slow down, right? I felt so invested, you know? Yeah, me too. Oh. Good choice. Thanks. I'm so happy. Yeah, me too. Just being with you. Here. You're the best. No, you're the best. 
On a scale of one to ten, you are... One to ten? You know, the attractiveness scale. I was going to rate you. Spoiler alert, it's going to be very good. That's nice, but, uh... I know, why don't we rate each other? Uh... Come on, it'll be fun. There might be prizes. Okay. Both together on a count of three? Okay. One, two, three. Eight point five. Did you say 8.5? Yeah. Not 10. I rated you a 10. Well, thank you, but I mean that's a little unrealistic, don't you think? I mean, 10 would imply perfection, and I'm not perfect. I think you are. I would never suggest I'm perfect. Modesty is one of your most attractive attributes. Again, thank you? But I'm only an 8.5? Not only. A very solid 8.5. On any rational scale, 8.5 is very good. But not perfect. You've got to be realistic, hon. I'm, I'm being honest here. Isn't honesty what women want? Isn't honesty another one of my attractive attributes? So I was being dishonest? You were being nice. 8.5? Come on, as an 8.5, you have room to grow as a person. Isn't that good? I mean, 10 is definitely a future possibility for you. A possibility? Definitely. If I work at it. That's not exactly what I mean. I called you a 10 and you called me an 8.5. That's like me saying I love you and you replying with, and I like you a lot too. I do love you. Love me some 8.5. Come here. Oh, no, you don't. So who would be a 10 to you? I don't know. Come on, Mr. Rationale. You must have your endpoints of your scale well-defined. Who's a 10? All right, um, Giselle Bündchen. The Victoria's Secret supermodel? And wife to all-star quarterback Tom Brady, yes. <laughs> Have you ever spoken to her, watched a movie with her? No, of course I haven't. So you're rating her solely on her looks? Maybe she has a lousy personality. I trust Tom Brady's judgment on that. I mean, the guy's won seven Super Bowls. I didn't give you a 10 based on your looks, believe me. I accounted for your personality. And I think your personality's a 10. But overall, I average out to an 8.5. Thank you very much. That's not what I mean. All right. How would you rate yourself? I haven't thought about it. If you can rate me, if you can rate Giselle Bungeon, you can rate yourself. All right. Uh, I'm a 7. Maybe an 8 in Cleveland. And why would I want to be with a Cleveland 8? That's it. I'm changing my score. You're not a 10 anymore. Now you're a 6. Wow, that's harsh. Hey, when I was less than a 10, that was an opportunity for personal growth. But I was already a 10. Now there's only one direction I can go. Looks, 6. Personality, 6. Tact, a new category, 5. That's an overall average, if we're using decimals, of 5.7. I'm rounding you up to a 6. I'm doing you a favor. Whoa, looks, 6? That's crazy. I am better than a 6. 6 at best. 6 on a good day. 6 in a suit with a better haircut. Okay, that's below the belt. Below the belt! Another new category. Below the belt, you're a 4.5. My last boyfriend was a 7 in that category, and boy, did he know how to use that 7. Okay, now you're going too far. What am I, an 8.5, doing with you, a 6? I am out of your league. Okay, that's it. I am rounding you down to an 8. Wait a minute, you slurp your soup, you're a seven. You snore, you're a five. And you're scared of roller coasters, you're a four. Well, you're late every time we plan something, you're a six. And you pretend you've read books when you haven't, you're a five. You walk too slow, three. And you answer your phone with yellow, two. You don't like jazz and you can't slice a bagel, four and three. Well, you- When you call espresso, espresso, two. So we're both twos then? Looks that way. We both have an array of faults. 
Yes, we do. It's something we have in common. One of several things. So really, we're quite well matched. I'd say so. And besides, who's to say we aren't just tough graders? We have higher standards than most people. Who's to say our two isn't someone else's nine? Or ten. Or ten. Want to watch another movie? Yeah, I would. You choose. Perfect. Perfect. That was A Perfect Two, written by Guy Newsham. It was performed by TJ and Devin McSherry. All right, so with me now is the writer of the story you just heard. Uh, He's a Canadian-based playwright and stage actor, as well as a member of the Playwrights Guild of Canada. He also has a bachelor's in physics from the University of St. Andrews and a PhD from the University of Cambridge. And he's been working professionally as a research scientist with Canada's National Research Council for over 30 years. Ladies and gentlemen, here is playwright and scientist Guy Newsham. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you, Jonathan, and nice to be here. Yeah, and you have a very interesting background uh, for your professional career. You are a scientist, but you also have this side gig as a playwright, uh, you know, a very successful playwright. Your plays are getting produced pretty often. Uh, so you can you tell us about your journey, how you went from scientist to writing for theater? Sure. Um, well, I mean, I, yeah, my, my career was a scientist, uh, but I have um, probably since, since grad school uh, became fairly enthusiastic uh, in amateur theater. And so that, that was a major hobby of mine for, for quite some time, for decades, I guess, by now. And um, I also always had this idea of wanting to write. And like like a lot of people, I dabbled in writing novels when I was younger and finished a few things that were novel length, but never really got anywhere. They, I'm sure they weren't very good. And then just about five years ago, I guess, I, I, I came back to theater after a bit of a break. And uh, there was a writer's group at my local community theater, which I joined. And I thought that might be a way to, to get back into writing. Uh, and it was just very convenient, I guess, timing in that the whole genre of sort of 10-minute plays had started to become very popular around that time as well. And so that was a very easy way to get back into writing. It didn't seem too intimidating to write 10 pages. You know, you, you weren't looking at 150 blank pages. You were looking at 10. And so that became, was a nice sort of way to get back into writing. Uh, and then I've been, you know, doing that on and off uh, ever since. Nice. All right. Well, let's, uh, so let's talk about your play everyone just heard. It's called A Perfect Two. Uh, it's a, a romantic comedy and the situation is very funny and the conflict and the dialogue, they're both very playful as these two characters begin downgrading each other. And overall, just uh, kudos to writing such a, a fun play. It was a lot of fun to record and the voice actors involved. They're a real married couple, so they had a lot of fun playing off of each other. So just thank you for letting us do it. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a silly comedy. Um, I mean, I, I write things on the spectrum of you know of comedy to, to drama, and this is probably the, the one of the silliest comedies that, that I've written. Uh, but certainly um, people who have read it or have, have seen it uh, have said that it is 
it echoes a lot of situations that they've been in with their partners. So I think it resonates with people, even if it is a uh, obviously a, a, an abstracted kind of kind of scenario. It, it hits some some true some truisms in there. I think. And I really like the concept that uh, no one is perfect, but you can still be perfect for each other. And you wrote the script in a way that the guy in this play, he genuinely feels like he gave his girlfriend a really great score. And then it just comedically spirals from there. And uh, from what I understand, you've had quite a few stage productions of this play. Did you get a chance to see any of them out there? Or has it won any awards at the play festivals it's been in? Um, it's been um, performed a few times, a couple of times as sort of stage readings, and I've seen those um, on, you know, on Zoom or other similar platforms. It has been done once as a live play, but I was not able to to get to that. Um, it was it was quite local, only about an hour away from where I live, but I happened to be on stage acting in a play at the same time, so I, I couldn't get to see it. Um, and it will be will be done in I think it's November now, isn't it? With Orange Players in Connecticut um, is their latest date. Uh, so I haven't, um, I guess I haven't really seen it done live. Um, I had friends do it in a sort of workshopping environment and a couple of times and, and saw it then. Uh, and I just just the point you made earlier about the guy who who thinks he's given a really good rating. <laughs> Maybe he's the scientist <laughs> similar <laughs> similar to me. I mean, yeah, of course that's a great rating. What do you what do you but it's not perfect, um, so that's kind of the um, where the conflict begins. And and um, I mean, the idea for this play actually came simply from looking at uh, online advice columns that you know one does from time to time for amusement, uh, and just saw the headline. You know, my boyfriend rated me an eight point five. Should I dump him? <laughs> that was the headline, and I didn't read any more of it. Uh, but that was the inspiration for for writing the play. It was a a real uh, letter looking for help. <laughs> yeah, it just shows how you could find inspiration from you know the most unusual places. And you, like I said, you didn't even read the whole article. You just you saw that headline, and boom, there it was in your head. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. So when I wrote it pretty quickly, and uh, I had some friends workshop it, and then started sending it out. Yeah, and you see, you're you're great at writing comedy, and from what I've seen of your list of plays on your website and such, you, you tend to write a lot of plays that fit the comedy genre. And writing comedy can be difficult for most writers, even harder than writing a drama, because you know it's a lot of pressure to try to make people laugh because everyone has a different sense of humor. And so I was wondering, for you, uh, do you have any big comedy inspirations that tend to drive you toward that genre is there a particular writer or maybe even a comedian that uh just kind of gives you the inspiration for the type of comedy you do that's that's a tough question um i think i think what certainly has helped has been um being in um as an actor in community theater having done farces um that, that really helps you understand where comedy comes from and and how to sort of drive things, make things more and more intense and more and more difficult and challenging and and crazy for the characters to push things further than than um, you'd imagine them to be in a in a normal scenario. I mean, I think you know, theater has to be whether it's drama or comedy. Theater has to be kind of like life, but but bigger. <laughs> uh, and that's that's kind of. The, what I try and do with the comedies is is imagine a, an amusing situation and then try and find ways in which you can stretch it beyond um, 
what might happen in real life, but of course it's perfectly real to the to the characters involved. As far as they're concerned, <laughs> this is really happening, um, even if it's uh, taken just to to some extreme. Yeah, and uh, so from what I've seen, you've written a lot of short plays, but you also have a few full length plays. Some of them, I think I saw, were even slated for production. Do you have a preference to what? I mean, do you like the long form of a full length play, or do you prefer the quickness and oftentimes more success from short plays because it's easier to get short plays produced in festivals than it is to get a full length play staged at a theater? Yeah, so like, like I said, I started really with 10 minute plays. I mean, I, unless I think back you know, several decades when I did try and write something longer way back when, but in my sort of, let's say my, my, my new writing career, <laughs> I started with 10 minute plays and did several of those. And as you say, there are many, many more outlets to get 10 minute plays produced than full length. Um, there's many festivals and competitions out there, uh, particularly in the United States. And so, you know, thank you to all of the festival organizers in the US who allow people from other countries to participate um, because there, there's definitely a lot more opportunities there than there are in, in other countries. There aren't that many in Canada, for example. Um, and I've also written a few one-act plays. Uh, so that's kind of the next level up in terms of length. <laughs> Um, and actually, last year won won Canada's national one act playwriting competition. But that, that's definitely a drama, although there's maybe a few comedic elements in it. Um, and then more recently, I've tried to come up with some some full length plays as well to kind of round out my my portfolio. Uh, and the first one will be produced uh, in in September. And in, in in that case, I I kind of tripped myself into writing a full length play by setting out to write. Um, seven 10 minute plays that, um, in them, they could be potentially done independently. Um, but they involve the same characters reappearing in the same scenarios. It's all, it's all set at a wedding reception. And it's sort of the seven scenes from a wedding reception with you know, the father of the bride, the mother of the bride, the bride, and the, the parents are both divorced. They both have new dates with them. So these people are all appearing in multiple scenes in different ways. Um, but I, I, rather than being um, intimidated by writing 70 pages of a full-length play, I said, I'll just write a 10-minute play and another 10-minute play and another 10-minute play and then find ways to, so that if they were done together as a full-length, you'd get more out of them by seeing them all together. There's, there's, there's things that occur in one that kind of pop up again in another. And so that was kind of my, my way of tricking myself into doing something longer which i hope works and a bit of inspiration for that was a, a play that i think is very popular now called almost main uh, that's a similar kind of concept with multiple short scenes strung together with a common theme in that case they're all being done in the same town at the same time um so it's a may, maybe it's a it's a it's a format to think about for people who are uh, write short plays most of the time yeah, that's actually really good advice. Um, There's a full-length play I'm currently working on, and I kind of took, not that I'm making individual plays with different characters, but it's it's just a two-character play, but the way I'm thinking about it is as I write each scene, each scene is its own 10-minute play with its own beginning, middle, and end. Um, you know, the conflict's there in each scene. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of a good way to for people out there that have been, I guess, hesitant to dive into full-length playwriting. Just think of it as you know, break your scenes down. And if you are more comfortable with the short play format, just approach it that way. Just write a bunch of short plays and connect them 
um, as a full length. Yeah, and as you say, in fact, however you do it, every scene in a full length play should have that same trajectory, uh, and it should have uh, changes in, in in characters' positions. Uh, all those things should still happen in in any scene. Otherwise, why have the scene? So, so it's it's not that different from conventional playwriting, really. You already mentioned it, but just uh, so everyone out there knows, the play everyone heard, A Perfect Two, actually has a production coming up in November. Um, being performed on stage by the Orange Players in Orange, Connecticut. And crazy enough, the previous episode that released on this podcast two weeks ago, it was called A Benevolent Alliance of Mourners by Ken Pruce. It's also going to be produced in that same festival. And uh, I'll admit, I might have released your two plays back-to-back on purpose since I knew that (laughs) you were both in that same festival uh, coming up. So anyone out there listening, if you're in the Connecticut area, um, go check out this play festival. There's a lot of good plays. It's I forget the exact dates, but it's in November. And I believe it's called Acting Up 2022 by the Orange Players. And so you started writing, you said you've been writing for about six years now. It was about 2016 when you started? Uh, something like that, yeah. Yeah. So for listeners out there that may be interested into getting into writing, maybe there are other, you know, scientists out there that want to <laughs> want to start doing this writing thing. Do you have any advice for them, you know, other than what we already just mentioned uh, about getting into writing for theater? Yeah, well, the um, so the writers group that I joined at my local theater, uh, I, mean, I had connections with that theater from from way back um, anyway. But the writers group was new to me, and that was really, really helpful. I mean, it it, it actually dissolved not that long after I joined. <laughs> so it was only useful for about six months, and then it then it disappeared. But it, in that time period, it was very, very useful to me. It provided some deadlines, and it produced some new work every two weeks. Have people read it, get some feedback um, from other people who are trying to write for for stage or or for TV. So that was really helpful. Um, and uh, I also engaged um, a dramaturg as well. Um, after I'd had about a couple of plays produced, I met someone uh, at the festival who really helped me with organizing my ideas and understanding again what what the sort of classic arc of a play was and and, uh, and how to sort of analyze my own scripts. So that was a very useful investment to to get professional dramaturge involved in, in looking at the work as well. Um, for scientists in particular, I'd say one thing that scientists, I don't want to generalize too much, but one thing that scientists tend to tend to be very good at um, is, is because they constantly face having to plan experiments and projects and have deadlines and they have a very um, um, methodical way of writing articles for, for science journals, etc. And I think that discipline has helped me a lot as a, as a theatrical writer. Uh, I think I'm relatively prolific, prolific in terms of the amount of stuff that I produce uh, on on the page. Uh, it doesn't take me long to get a first draft out once I have an idea in my head. And so having that discipline to sit down, once you have an idea, to sit down every day, spend some time on it, write two pages, put it aside, write another two pages. You know, you, you can have a 10-minute play, a first draft done in, in a long weekend. It's It's if you have that discipline. So I, I think uh, if you come from that science and engineering background, uh, that probably is not um, unfamiliar to you. Uh, so other than the production in Connecticut coming up and then your full-length play, you said, uh, being done this month in September, 
Do you have anything else going on you want to tell people about? Uh, where can people see the next Gynusham play in a theater near them? A couple more things actually in, in November as well. I've had a really busy summer, so lots of things have already been produced over the summer um, in, in British Columbia and Ontario and Canada and in Florida and California uh one or two other places over the summer so um but coming up in november the uh, one act play that i wrote called last rites is being done at uh, an ontario festival in lindsay ontario in november and that's sort of a competitive one act festival uh a number of community theater groups from the region all put forward a one act play uh, into this competition and it gets juried uh, so that's happening. That's exciting. Um, and also in November, uh, uh, the Na- a group in Napa Valley are producing in California, are producing another play, a 10 minute play that I wrote called It's Time to Come Out Now, which was just issued as a podcast by another theater in California, um, in San Jose. Uh, and that's, uh, it's, kind of a COVID play. <laughs> COVID is never mentioned in, in the play itself, but it's uh, implied, I think. If I can say a little bit about that play, I just if people are interested in, again, ideas, where ideas come from. So I was reading an article in an online newspaper or magazine or something about a new movie that was being produced about the Japanese soldiers who held out in the jungle in the Philippines until the 1970s, thinking the Second World War was still going on and they refused to surrender. And so I thought about COVID and people barricading themselves in their homes and being afraid to come out and imagining that there were people who were 30 years from now still refusing to come out of their homes because they didn't think the pandemic was over. And so creating that parallel, uh, and then it's a friend of the person who's, who's locked themselves in their house coming to try and persuade them to to come out. Awesome. And then you said that's going to be in California? Yes, that's a, a group in Napa Valley are producing that one. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Uh, so where can people find you? What's your website? And do you have any social media? I am a social media Luddite, so I, <laughs> but I have a website. Uh, so website is just, just my name, Guy Newsham. That's just all, all put together as one word, GuyNewsham.com. Uh, and that's where you can see uh, excerpts from all the plays I've written and um, where they've been produced or where they will be produced in the near future. All right. Well, thank you for joining us and thank you for letting me produce your wonderfully funny play. Uh, Keep writing. Keep doing all the cool science stuff. And I can't wait to see your next stage play or read your next script. And thank you again for the opportunity, Jonathan. It's a real pleasure. Thank you all for listening. And if you are associated with a theater and you would like to produce the play you heard today on your stage, please send an email to gatherbythegostlight at gmail.com or contact the playwright directly through his website, GuyNewsham.com. This program is supported in part by the Greater Augusta Arts Council through a grant from its partner agency, the National Endowment for the Arts. Intro and outro music, as always, is provided by artist JK47. And if you enjoy this podcast, maybe you're a longtime listener, or maybe this is the first episode you've ever heard. Let us know. Please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And also be sure to follow Gather by the Ghost Light on social media to stay up to date on new episodes. I'm Jonathan Cook, and as always, stay safe, and I'll see you next time we Gather by the Ghost Light.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.